Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you need to be listening to right here at youtube.com forward slash Steve and Larson and available wherever podcasts can be found. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the notify bell next to it if you always know, if you always want to know rather when new Going In Raw the content's coming up. Um, we're also available on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson at the $20 a month tier there on Patreon. Not only do you get the friendo care package, including comic book posters, uh, stickers, and postcard. Not only do you get five bonus episodes of Going In Raw every single week, you get to put your question right here, Aki, on Matt Chat mm-hmm. for us yeah. to talk about it on the air. Or you can send us a text question, whatever, doesn't matter. Anyways. Uh, we've got uh, Clash of Champions happening today. Yeah. Join us for our live stream reactions. Or don't. No, please do, though. I mean, we would like it. would be cool if you did. Yeah, otherwise it'd be us sitting there watching by ourselves, and we don't want to do that. If literally nobody did it, it would just be us. I'd just go home. I'd still have a good time. Anyways, uh, so with that in mind, uh, the good friendo Rich has a question about Clash of Champions. Let's see what he has to say. Friendos, Rich the Smash Bro here with a match hat question. Just real quick, for Clash of Champions to be better than a B-level pay-per-view, what has to happen? What is going to leave fans that night thinking, what the f*** just happened? Why? What? What now? What's going to happen next? So, my real question is mainly with Braun and Seth. Let's say they retain their tag titles. Who goes over at the end and how? I obviously believe Seth will go over through some form of interference in DQ. Not taking away from Seth, but I don't think him beating Braun clean is feasible. If they do have Braun going over and they stay the tag champs, what's going to happen next? Just give me some insight because I got no idea, friendos. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. I'll go first. Please. Uh, you have a really great idea right here that I will let you, Thank you. talk about once it's your turn. But uh, the idea, I think, the, the bigger idea as to how to make sure Clash of Champions feels like a pay-per-view that matters, it is not just some B-level pay-per-view, is uh, consequences. Stuff of consequence has to happen on the show. Every championship is on the line. It stands to reason that a couple of these are going to change hands uh, the one that's probably most obvious is the Intercontinental Championships. Probably going to go back to the Miz. That is one of z- like zero consequence. Like that, literally, probably just a move by WWE's part in order to get Jericho's name taken off of top of the record books for IC reigns. Yes. Right, exactly. Um, if the Raw Women's Title, the SmackDown Women's Title, if the four of though, if the four Horsewomen ran some angle where they were all involved in some big moment, then it could elevate the pay-per-view. One moment I have potentially happening, although yours is the best. Your answer here written down is great. Um, If Randy Orton, if the bell rings and Randy Orton strikes within seconds on an RKO and -hmm. picks up the title in shock fashion, Meanwhile, if they actually go through with the Revival versus New Day match, which is on the card. I, I don't remember them being mentioned at all this past week, though. Um, if the Revival picked that up and that new-ish faction comes away with all the gold, that would be a big moment. Um, so those are just a couple of ideas. Uh, what do you have? Uh, so it was mentioned by Golden One Center, the venue here in Sacramento that is hosting Hell in a Cell. Cell that Bray Wyatt the Fiend will be taking on the winner of Seth Rollins' Braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've kind of chatted about it, uh, alluded to it Stop on TV. Finger right yeah. Um, how about this? Okay. During the main event, Rollins and Braun, the Fiend makes an appearance, and he helps Braun Strowman win that universal title. Yeah. Everybody's talking about the Fiend right now. He just had a, a dark match after SmackDown last night and got the internet all abuzz. Mm-hmm. People love Bray Wyatt. True. Put him in a situation where he's doing something interesting uh, in a high-profile situation, potentially a title on the line. Mm-hmm. He and Braun have a ton of history yeah. they can work into the stories and do something interesting with. Uh, have the show end with Bray helping Braun win that title. Braun's like, what the heck? I don't want your help. And then you can get to some... Uh, story about Wyatt family days 
Maybe Bray still has some sort of mind control over Braun. Something interesting happens with it. Maybe. I don't know. That would be something out of left field, surprising to get people talking, make it feel like something more than a B-level pay-per-view. Well, in a more broad sense, if you made this pay-per-view centered around The Fiend, it, it, there's there's a number of matches. Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan, which is Eric Rowan's breakout moment mm-hmm. um, as a singles guy. That could be influenced somehow by The Fiend. The one you already talked about with Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins, that could be influenced by The Fiend. Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston. Of course, Randy and Bray. There's history there. Any number of these, and it could be seen as the the thing that really puts The Fiend at that sort of position that we felt Bray should be in where he's kind of a puppet master. You know, he's Mm kind of like an Undertaker type where his presence means so much to everybody. Mm-hmm. You can never feel safe when he's around. Yeah. Um, so if you're to do something like that, uh, there's any number of stories happening right now uh, that you can make this feel like a big, big deal. I mean, they're kind of already doing that. I kind of feel with the Seth and Braun tag situation and then the Universal Championship match. I kind of feel like that's a big thing that's ready to happen. Yeah. That should be pretty interesting. Um, so I think they have the pieces in place to make it a big important feeling pay-per-view i i the, the, the great thing about clash of champions too is that like it has a pretty decent history like the pedigree mm-hmm. how it goes back to like the i think nwa days doesn't it yeah it was counter programming to one of the wrestlemanias is how yeah it yeah and uh it was their sort of non-pay-per-view pay-per-views yeah just around tbs yeah yeah that's right um, so it's got a it's got a great tradition where they could make it a big deal every yeah, year. See if they do though. Um, yeah, that's it's up to the WWE. Yep. Uh, speaking of counter programming, Patrick Sparks has a question about potential counter programming. Take it away, B man. Hey, friendos, Pat here. All right, so we know that the WWE like to counter program things, uh, specifically other companies doing shows. It's happened with Ring of Honor in New Japan with NXT shows before. So that got me thinking. With NXT TakeOver Rumble Weekend being taken away and replaced with Worlds Collide, speculated that um, maybe NXT TakeOvers are going to stand alone on their own now because they are that strong and can get the viewers and everything like that. So... Do you think the WWE is going to counter-program AEW pay-per-views with NXT TakeOver pay-per-views? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I don't really see it being a good idea to do that. But what do you guys think? Thanks, friendos. Bye. Thank you, B-Man. Thank you, B-Man. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put us out of the road possibility. I mean, they, despite what they say, probably one of the main reasons that NXT is on cable television now. Counter-program AEW. There's going to be a book written on that someday, man. I know. We'll figure out who approached who. I know. Because uh, if, if AEW doesn't happen, if uh, they don't get a, 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 a cable TV deal of that magnitude, I don't think NXT is on uh, cable TV yet. Yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't know. Despite what Triple H or Vince might say about it. Um, so the WWE is not above counter-programming a promotion that hasn't had a, a, a regular episode of TV on yet was oh, sorry mm-hmm. i'm just going down that thread when that one episode of nxt showed up on usa was AEW a thing at that no point? Was that it was just part of w- it was just part yeah way before it was just part was of wwe week yeah um mm. so uh we don't get to take over rumble weekend instead we get worlds collide which hopefully I, I hope is cool and has some stakes has some consequences uh and the only thing we've heard about takeovers is that more information to come about 2020 takeover schedule uh, later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know AEW runs Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend. Uh, their next show, Full Gear, is running Veterans Day weekend. I would not be surprised if they run a show Presence Day weekend in February. Mm-hmm. That way the shows are m- roughly evenly spaced. So if you see the uh, first takeover announced uh, the Saturday of Presence Day, strategy. You know what it is. Yeah. I'm not saying this is certainty. I'm also not saying it's not going to happen. I think the possibility exists that they could think it's a good idea for them. I don't think it is. I think it benefits everybody if NXT does their thing. Don't worry about AEW. AEW does their thing. Don't worry about what NXT is doing. Just put forth the best product you have, and people will watch it. So, If you force fans to make a choice on the same day, you're cutting into your own potential audience. I agree with you, but... but. 
Plain devil's advocate here. You cannot say there was not a palpable buzz around two weekends ago when all those shows ran head-to-head, not head-to-head necessarily, different times of the day, but all on the same day. And the fans, and I think this could be spun as a positive thing, the fans get to choose what the buzz is, and it forces everybody to step Problem up their is game. That we couldn't do reaction streams for both shows. Well, that's 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 a that's a MP, not a YP, not their problem. I mean, my it's primary problem. problem, the concern is my problems. Okay, well, you know what I'm saying. How you're talking about. You were just talking about fans, and now you're just talking about us. Yeah, no, but that, I mean, it affects us. I mean, I'm talking about how it affects the fans. Well, I mean, the fans might be in a position of like, well, I don't want to have to make a decision between watching these two. Why does WWE have to counter-program AEW when they already have this weekend, and now I have to make a choice about what to watch? Well, uh! that is one point of view. I'm just saying it was a very fun weekend, lots of buzz coming out of that weekend. Um, I, you know, even if they did this, even if they did this, uh, so AEW typically runs their shows on sa- Saturday or Sunday, Saturday, Saturdays. Saturdays. If takeover moved to the same weekends, but on Sunday, the next day now, yes, looking at us, would that be a big pain in the butt? Because we have to come in on Saturday and Sunday, but then you put yourself in a situation where, well, we're not, we're not forcing anybody not to watch AEW. You can watch it, but we're going to have the final word, and we'll see who has the buzz coming out of the weekend. Mm-hmm. That might not be a bad idea. Yeah, that's something. But, I mean, I, I, yeah, the idea of them directly counter-programming AEW pay-per-views as in running Going the head show to head at the same a bad time idea. is a terrible idea. That's not a good idea. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Anything else to add to it? No, that was it. All right. Uh, next, got a question from Christopher Rampersad. Take it away, Christopher. Hello, Stephen Morrison. So my question is, there's rumors that Kevin Owens might be going back to NXT and that would be cool and what do you think he would be doing at NXT I hope he's not playing like big brother and little brother at NXT if you know what I mean um, I hope there's like a bigger role for him and something for him to do cool not to be there just to be oh he's just there thank you Christopher thank you Christopher Kevin Owens and NXT Whoa, that's going to be exciting hopefully it happens if it happens if it happens no, I'm not getting my hopes up uh, so I saw your answer. I just did the opposite. I think he should join the Undisputed Era. Big moment, big angle, huge moment. And then after like eh, a couple takeovers, uh, there, there becomes a situation where who's the alpha dog, Adam Cole, Bebe, or Kevin Owens, they end up splitting, uh, and then you get just a series of amazing matches. This is how you do Kevin it. Owens this is how you do it, Kevin Owens was just fired by Shane McMahon. That means Kevin Owens is looking for a paycheck. And what was his motivation? His first run NXT, he wants to get to the top to to provide for his family. This is how you do it. You have him show up. Adam Cole's there. He's excited. There's a hug. Uh, Next takeover. uh, It's it's, it's exactly the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. You think they're buddy buddy. Immediately, Kevin Owens turns on Adam Cole. Why? Because he has a championship, champions equal, championships equal money. Feud there, and then, I don't know, a couple months later, he joins up anyways. You can't skip over the best part. How are you going to justify him joining with the Undisputed Era? Come on, man. It was all a big swerve. Oh, that's what I hate. Finger poke dude. You know what I hate, man? I was thinking about this earlier because I forget who it is. Somebody has a question about tropes. Oh, yeah, Guillaume. Uh, about how, like, you know, you see Roderick Strong being approached, and it's on security cam footage. Yeah. So it's not like they can make the claim that they were fooling for the cameras. Yeah. And they're trying to recruit him, and he says, no, 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 no. And then he ends up joining with them. Why? Why did he do that? Bobby Fish got hurt. <laughs> right, exactly. That's why. Anyways, uh, moving on. Andy Nero has a question. Um, seems kind of frustrated about Vince. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, friendos. Nero here. Uh, just wanted to ask a quick question for Matt Chat. Um, why does Vince seem to have an allergic reaction to making money with his own superstars? Um, we've all acknowledged the fact that Kevin Owens, uh, as badass, stunning everyone, uh, would be a moneymaker, and yet they've turned him into an apologist, uh, family man, wuss. I, ju- I just don't understand why they why they do that. Um, yeah, seems as though all they want to do is make money through sponsorships and Saudi money. So, yeah. Talk, discuss, tell me what you think. Bye. Thank you, Brother Nero. Thank you, Andy Nero. Anyways. Um, I'll go back to what, granted, this right back, so take it with a grain of salt. Said uh, during, I think, a conversation with Triple H, where there was uh, some comment made about 
they'll never be the company they'll they'll never be another John Cena but it was it was it was put forth in the context as if the company almost didn't want another John Cena because he felt that the company didn't want wrestlers with leverage yes um, and so I wonder if 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 this is a conscientious effort on WWE's part to adopt a philosophy that no one is above the brand. It's comparable to how the NFL markets itself. The NFL doesn't really market its top stars, or if it does, it doesn't do it very well, because if it did, Tom Brady would be everywhere in terms of endorsements and doing marketing for the NFL, and he's not. Uh, the old adage is, no one is above the shield for the NFL. They market the NFL brand, not so much their top stars. Every other sport, well, pretty much the NBA does it wonderfully. They market their top stars to great effect to promote the league. Baseball is such a regional sport that there's not a whole lot of, uh, of stars in baseball that transcend the specific region which they play that they can market on a national level these days, just in the way baseball operates. It's probably the same thing with hockey. Um, so I guess that would be my guess that's what it is, if there is any sort of deliberate effort to not develop stars. The most likely scenario is that, from a creative standpoint, that he just doesn't have the he, – he's, he's lost the mojo. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. We saw them try to do this. Yeah. And here's the thing. When you look at the landscape and you see that nobody's really bigger than WWE, there's no Cena anymore, um, it, you might go to conspiracy theory, which is what you kind of just did. Yeah. But what you said is true. The most likely situation is that the creative mojo just isn't there. Well, here's the he is out of touch. He tried to make Roman Reigns into John Cena. He didn't intentionally... Uh, uh, he didn't intentionally mean to make John Cena John Cena. John Cena developed organically, same as Daniel Bryan. Here's the thing about Vince's record when, when developing stars, and by that I mean him handpicking somebody to be the face of the company. I think it's worked once. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Every other time, it either didn't work at all, didn't work how he wanted it to and work. Hogan was huge in AWA, and he says, oh, I want that. He was in a Rocky movie, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you're right. Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you look at how did Vince bring in his, uh, Stone Cold? He was the ringmaster. He was the ringmaster, and it was terrible, and you couldn't see it. You couldn't see huge superstar. Mm -mm. Vince, uh, Vince's wife, or I'm sorry, Stone Cold's wife at the time says, you should be Stone Cold, because they watched the documentary on a serial, serial killer mm -hmm. called The Iceman. And then he was like, all right, I'm Stone Cold. They want to call him Chili McFreeze. Right? So you're right. Every time Vince has tried to make the man, and it's funny, because whenever... Conrad on on the the wonderful something that Russell with podcast uh, Bruce Pritchard Conrad's like you know why did he bring this guy in and Bruce, well he thought he could be the man he thought he could do make a lot of money with him Vince will try whatever Vince can do to make stars but it is capturing lightning in a bottle mm -hmm. it really is mm -hmm. it doesn't seem that easy and he tries and you can literally see it on the screen Vince yep. trying the desperation sometimes that just comes spilling out. He doesn't know how to make huge stars. Yeah, he knows how to make stars, but not huge not crossover stars. Mainstream crossover stars. They would no. love. Are you kidding me? They would love to have. Why do you think they allowed Roman Reigns to go do that movie? Because I guarantee, if they wanted to put a stop to it, they could have put a stop probably. to it. I mean, they probably have them under like a freaking management contract. Um, so they want to put him in the movies because they want Roman Reigns to be a big star and mm -hmm. a big crossover star because mm -hmm. they would love to have The Rock. The Rock to this day tweets out stuff about WWE all the yep. time. Yep. They would love to have another Cena. Yeah, Cena still, uh, I mean, he's just been following a bunch of uh, the, uh, C Nation follow members. Follow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he would love to. It's, and here's the thing. It's not, that, it's not that, oh, well, he's Vince McMahon. He can't, you know, he doesn't know how. It is probably incredibly difficult. I'm not. I'm not sure anybody can. Yeah. It's just you never know what's going to click with an audience. The the formula for creating a John Cena, a big chunk of that formula involves something called luck, mm -hmm. and you can't teach that. Nope. And you can't teach that. That's right. Next, the Raptor is back, but ooh, he's a ghost. Let's see what he says. Oh my goodness. Greetings, Stephen Lawson. Is I, the Raptor, returned as a ghost? No, I'm not dead. It's Halloween, baby. Woo! So here's my question. Are people ever going to cut AEW some slack? Because it seems like AEW is supposed to be perfect, sell out all the time. And if they don't, they're a failure. It's like people don't understand how it takes time to build things. 
See you later, fellas. Thank you, The Raptor. Thank you, The Raptor. Ooh. I've been watching celebrity ghost stories lately. Oh, how was that? Alabama is, is freaking obsessed with celebrity ghost stories. Oh, really? Because they're not really that scary. No. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. Oh, I go first. Don't yeah. I? Do you think so, dude? Uh, oh, I know you go first. I went first last time. All sorry. right, fine. People love nitpicking. AEW, they love to. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It ain't gonna stop until until uh, once AEW establishes their own rhythm, mm-hmm. their own language, their own way of doing things. Then I think right now because they're so new, it's easy to point at what they're doing. And say, oh, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You're doing this wrong. If they're successful on TV and get decent ratings, I'm talking a million a week. I think it'd be a, a huge success for them. If they do that and show some amount of growth, um, they don't stumble too much along the way. Once they establish their rhythm, their way of doing things so that the stumbles aren't really there anymore, uh, then I think people, for the most part, the kind of nitpicking you see now won't exist. But as we see with WWE, people will complain just to complain. I mean, sometimes they'll they'll be justified. Sometimes they won't. That's just today. Like, people just complain about stuff. And sometimes it's like, yeah, everybody has their line in terms of what's justifiable and not. Uh, so people always complain about everything. But in terms of the nitpicky aspect of AEW, I think once they get into a rhythm, that'll probably stop. Yeah, maybe. I think people hold AEW to such a high standard because, I mean, their first two shows were really, really good. Um, they came out, and when they announced the company, they said all the right things. It was it, not only in terms of, of wrestling and a lot of other capacities. It seemed like it was a departure from how WWE has operated for a number of years and how pro wrestling, to a certain degree, has operated for a number of years. Um, and so I think it set a really high bar in people's minds about how the company would operate, what kind of product they would have. And whenever there is a stumble, minor or, or major, people are quick to point it out mm-hmm. because the bar was set so high to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so maybe at a certain point down the road when, yeah, they run, they hit a rhythm, uh, people will be able to get comfortable with their product and how they operate as a business. People will be like, all right, no point, you know, picking out what's wrong with every little thing. But I think it's going to be a little while. Every yeah, and I think yeah. the, I think the magnifying glass, the spotlight is going to be on them, uh, probably longer than it would have had NXT not moved to the same night on cable TV. Possibly. Now the spotlight's going to be on both of them, both companies. I think more so AEW because they're the competition. They're the ones that they're the insurgent company that's trying to make headway against this corporate monolith. Uh, the magnifying glass is really going to be on them. And if they have any little stumble, I think people are just going to harp on it. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, people give NXT at this point so much leeway as well. They should. They have. They have earned a lot of equity. Yeah. Because they do a lot of things correctly. Um, and there's. I think. I feel like there's not as much. I mean. I don't know. I feel like there's not as comparatively speaking. There's not as much pressure on NXT. I don't think WWE's putting NXT out there to say, hey, you know, squash the competition. Nope. They're just putting out there, hey AEW, you got one more problem. I, yeah, think that I think it's that what it is. they siphon some viewers. So when the, the, the ratings come out, AEW's uh, viewership isn't as large as it may have been. It's mm-hmm. going to look good for WWE sure. and bad for yeah. AEW. But it's yeah. not like NXT is being put on cable to put AEW out of business. Right, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, I think the bottom line is, you know, we, we do live in an era where everybody has a voice thanks to social media. And people will use that voice and use it and use it and use it about everything. So, uh, so yeah, but in terms, I think once they get into a rhythm, uh, the the little thing, the little weird stumbling blocks, they won't really point it out. Yeah. Uh, next question from Jacksonville. Number one. Gian Halili. Uh huh. Yeah. What's going on, friendos? This is Jacksonville's number one Matt Chatter, Gian Halili. This week, my Matt Chat question is: What are wrestling storyline tropes? that are just tired and old and need to go away. Um, Storyline tropes that need to find their nearest recruitment office and turn themselves in, son. Storyline tropes that don't make you go, yeah, but they just need to go away. Um, like the jealousy angle for the women or the you're not pretty, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Too sweet, hearty handshake. You guys are amazing, probably the best, probably. 
Later, guys. Yeah, Gion, I want you to go to the nearest recruitment office and turn, turn yourself, yourself in, son. This is the one thing, and it was highlighted by Eric Rowan's promo the other day. That kind of evil mastermind stuff. This is like a crap thing in movies, too, where the evil mastermind has a moment, so he just divulges his whole plan and why he did it and his motivation for everything. It's the worst. <laughs> lame Vince was kind of full of those tropes this week. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah. Because, yeah, he did the mastermind thing. He did the you're ugly thing, which Guillaume pointed out yeah. as, a, as a tired wrestling convention. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a tired, it's a tired entertainment convention. You know, I mean, it's, it's been parodied several times, of course, in Bond movies. It happens all the time where right before the, the, the villain uh, puts an end to Bond, mm-hmm. um, he has to divulge his entire plan, why he did it, and throw in a, a nefarious laugh at the end. Yeah. It's, it's tired. Don't need that. Yeah. I mean, it should be plainly self-obvious. One or several reasons why Rowan would have attacked Roman Reigns uh, to get a spotlight on himself, to give himself more opportunity. I can go on and on. He doesn't need to stay in the middle of the ring for five minutes and explain everything. doesn't need to happen. Yeah. just doesn't need to happen. Uh, so, no, I agree with that. I'm just going to go more broad than that and say heels and faces. Why can't people just be people? Um, I think it's kind of silly for somebody to one day be totally averse to cheating or using you know, uh, shortcuts, and then the next day be totally into it, a heel turn. I think... The idea that people are that fickle with how their personalities work is a really weird concept to me. Um, why is it somebody can be bad one day and be a sweetheart the next day and vice versa? I think it's a very silly concept that worked in the 80s. Um, I think that once the Attitude Era hit, that concept probably should have been out of the window. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's, it's still around. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to say heels and faces. I think it's a very silly concept. I think it's something that AEW is actually really toying with and playing with in, in, in a fairly effective manner, um, especially like Cody. Uh, that's been a very interesting mm-hmm. thing to see. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to say. I All think right. people work best when they're just people. Yes, people. Uh, next guy, question from Stephen M. What's going on, guys? Stephen M here. I, my chat question this week is about feuds and the overall focus on titles. Should there be less focus on people getting title shots unless there's a motivated story for it or if there's a tournament for it? Say the likes of the King of the Ring, where I've seen most of my favorites just not win it. But say Andrade will now, this could lead to another breathing back into the Ray story and just stories weaving in and out like that and giving purpose. And with the new Fox deal coming up and definite rosters, I feel like we need more stories. And stories that could headline a pay-per-view, like the likes of Ciampa and Gargano, over the title, just because how good the story is. And who do you think those stories could be? Thank you, Stephen M. So if I understand the question correctly, he's sort of just asking if there should be less of a focus on titles. Yeah, it's my understanding. More focus on stories, <sighs> independent of titles. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I... I... I mean, Clash of Champions is a different paper because it's literally every title's on the line. Every title's on the line. Then you got Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan in a match where no titles on the line. Yeah, and they're going to have the that's kind of a title too. Um, I don't know. I think that number one, WWE has a lot of titles, so just naturally, you know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of stories that revolve around those. But uh, no, I don't know. I think I think it's a decent. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What I, don't, do you think? I don't know if there's a situation where there should be less emphasis on titles. I think there should be more uh, energies put forth in creating interesting stories that don't involve titles. Because if there if the situation was, all right, we're going to we're going to invest all our creative energies just in promoting the matches where titles are involved. Well, then yeah, the undercard stuff where no titles involved is going to be relatively uninspired creatively. Mm-hmm. But if you actually invest, and that's like one thing the Attitude Era did ter- relatively well mm-hmm. is. If you're on TV regularly, you were involved, and you were involved in a story. Mm-hmm. You weren't just there to have uh, the occasional match. Yeah. Usually, if you were on TV and you were involved, that's because you were involved in the storyline. Whether you had a title or not, whether the story was good or not, mm-hmm. there was a storyline you were involved in. That's not so much the case now. It's gotten better on, on Raw, I feel like, um, where they're dedicating time to developing characters, creating stories for, for men and women on the undercard. Smack, I'm like, what the heck is Andrade doing basically losing an extended squash match to The Miz? That's terrible, yeah. I'm like, why? And that's really the problem in my mind. It's not so much that too much creative energy is put in, invested or is invested in title feuds. It's just not enough is invested in the undercard feuds 
where no titles are involved. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, I mean, I just like good stories. I don't care if there are titles mm-hmm. involved or not. Uh, next, got a question from Gatlin T. What's up, Stephen Larson? This is the Firefly Funhouse's newest puppet, Gatlin T. And I've been looking a lot on, like, forums and Facebook comment sections and YouTube comment sections here recently. And I've seen a lot of people complaining about wrestling fans using insider terms like bump, uh, push, stuff like that. A lot of people complaining about it here recently, saying it takes the fun out of it. So I want you guys to talk about it. What do you guys think about wrestling fans using wrestling terminology? Thank you, guys. Too sweet and a hearty handshake. Thank you, Gatlin T. Thank you, Gatlin T. Uh, yeah, I should be allowed to say bump, work, shoot, angle. Um, gimmick. Gimmick. Character. Yeah. Work. Yeah. You already say work. Work, yeah. Kayfabe. Why not? I've seen some, I can't remember where, but like they're, they're like wrestler people involved in the industry were like, well, fans, you're not in the industry. You shouldn't use those terms. Yeah. No, I've seen several wrestlers. Yeah. And uh, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, at what point am I let, like, if I go through training and have a match, am I then allowed to say a word? Am I not? If I volunteer to help set up the ring, then can I do it? Yeah. If I go to, if I go, if I want to ask a director about his job as director of movie, mm-hmm. am I not allowed to say things like DP or uh, MOS? MOS. Some of the, the, yeah, the, the short term gaffer. Yeah, or short form jargon used in the film right, industry yeah. to communicate things. Yes. EPK. Yeah. Am I not allowed to say those things? No, you can say those things. It's stupid. Yeah. The idea that people should be limited to the words they use. That's that's a dumb concept. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in favor of, of, like, of saying wrestling fans can't use wrestling terminology. And granted, of course they can. We're wrestling fans, so maybe we're biased. <laughs> maybe. But, like, I don't – I mean, it, it's it's – is it a thing where wrestlers who don't want fans using that terminology, they want to protect what mystery is left in pro wrestling? Is that what it is? I just don't know. I don't know the rationale. I don't know the reasoning behind it. Is it they trying to push this idea that being a wrestler working in the wrestling industry is an exclusive club with terms that are, can only be used by the members of said club? There's like an idea of you haven't paid your you, – you don't know what it's like because you, you haven't done it, so you don't know it. This is what – so we're like, you haven't paid your dues. I'll use this analogy. Our community of the friendos. And, and if, if we say, hey, friendo, walking around, someone comes up to us, hey, friendo. Friendos say it to each other. It's a feeling of community. Yeah. It's a common language that we all speak. Yeah. Hey, you're not me. Slow wolf pack. Yeah. Um, and, and wrestling fans, if the, using that terminology speaks to the community that we all exist in. Mm-hmm. So to say no you can't use the language that's associated, the terminology used with this community that you exist in is, is, is lame. I think there's an antiquated concept that I think is perpetuated by, by wrestlers even today that when you, when you mentioned earlier protecting the business, mm-hmm. that like there has to be some weird separation. It's like, nah, man. Like, it's like this, guess what? If... Ever since like shoot interviews have been a thing and the business has opened up and WWE or Vince was in court talking about now it's predetermined predetermined guess what we all know dude even my dad he'll talk endlessly about seeing matches at the Memorial Auditorium in the 1973 and I ask him do you think anybody in that building thought it was real he's like no you know the first thing my dad told me I first started watching wrestling in the 80s you know that's fake right yeah yeah I mean, we still hear that today yeah. from people. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the point. The fact that whether it's real or not is not the point. The point is that they're telling stories and it's entertaining. That's what matters. Right. Well, I don't need to be protected from anything. No. I don't, the business doesn't need to be protected from me. No. So Business seems to be doing just fine right now. Right. Exactly. So I don't know. I think that's, I think that's a really silly thing. But I do think it's oddly perpetuated by like some younger wrestlers these days. That it's still and and I'll be honest, it's probably because there are and let's face it, I'll, well, I'm not actually going to exclude. I'm not going to include just. I'm not going to say this is exclusive to wrestling, but wrestling has its fair share of obnoxious fans. Same can be said if you look at Twitter these days. Same thing, movies, music, everything has mm-hmm. obnoxious fans. Mm-hmm. But the barrier between wrestler and fan is so thin these days yeah. that they probably get a lot of stuff from people saying things, thinking that they're clever. Those yeah. obnoxious fans who think they're so clever by using it, 
by using those terms, that's probably where the resentment builds from could these be. days. It could be. Um, and I understand that. But, I mean, that's got to get old at some point. You'd think so. But uh, I, I can mean, understand dude, that. I've talked about this with a couple people. Like every time I go, every time, seemingly, every time I go to a movie, a concert, or a wrestling show, there's always somebody, somebody sitting in that crowd who's doing something annoying who thinks they're clever, who's trying to make the show about them. And that's so irritating. So, to the, yeah, they're, they're, they're ruining it for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That kind of leads to the next question here. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Dougie Fox. Dougie Fox. Dougie has to say. Hello, Stephen Larson. This is Utah's own Dougie Fox with a match hack question for you and the Friendoverse. So as we saw on Monday Night Raw, Seth Rollins made a comment that he was the best wrestler of all time, and then we heard the crowd chanting CM Punk. For me, that's a personal pet peeve, is when the crowd starts chanting CM Punk, really during any situation like that. Um, Similarly, when a match isn't going the way the crowd wants, they chant CM Punk or some other things for you guys, debate it. Is that disrespectful? And also, what are some things that audiences do that you think we need to cut out at live events too sweet hearty handshake talk to you later thank you dougie thank you dougie so uh go ahead yeah i think that it's shouting cm punk is okay at vince that's kind of it maybe triple h no his his goodwill is too much stephanie i thought about that too stephanie maybe stephanie maybe but triple h and shane nah i'm sure triple h is really the one who got cm punk fired though probably but he's he's built up too much good yeah, credibility. Um, is it disrespectful of wrestlers? Hell yeah, it is. Oh yeah, that's terrible. Basically, oh, basically, like you can what Stone Cold. Don't want anybody else. Oh, I hate the what. I hate Don't it. Don't chant CM Punk. I know. Don't go playing with the beach balls during a match. It's disrespectful. Yeah, it's horribly disrespectful. Don't hold up your baby. Why are you bringing a baby to a wrestling show? Yeah, that's weird. That is very strange. Don't bring a baby to a wrestling show. Get a freaking babysitter. You, I mean, cheering and booing, of course. If the match really stinks, I'm not huge on the boring stuff, but all right. Um, but that's if it's a real stinker. If Okay, so if there's some things like, yeah. I, I, I'm not I, huge on I, it. I guess, I guess I can't say that boring is okay. Not So, like, I was thinking, like, if Shane McMahon, remember there was that stretch where he was on TV all the time? Yeah. And he's just yapping away, and the crowd yeah. starts chanting boring. I wouldn't do it myself. Yeah, but I but kind of understand. Didn't have, given the circumstances, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. But like, if you're there for two hundred five live and they're doing a, oh, a couple man. moves to feel each other, each other out, the beginning of a match, you're chanting boring. Get out of here, I dude. Get out of here with that. You have to give things a chance. I hate that so much. And guess what? Even if you don't like it, fifteen minutes in, shut up. Well, because people probably do like well, it. Well, fifteen minutes in, most of the time they're the ones that are chanting. This is awesome. I know, right? Then they turn around. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Again, man, I can point at every single wrestling show I've been to and probably give you somebody who is annoying. There was the one that we went to Christmas and New Year's or whatever it was, the double taping where that guy to our right was endlessly and we're in the we're in the lower bowl, yeah. but we're pretty high up, would not stop screaming at JoJo. Like, dude, shut up. Yeah. Just shut up up yeah shut it yeah he wouldn't keep his mouth shut there was the house show that i went to that hilton got me tickets for and two seats down there was a guy heckling emma because it was right after she stole something or she was busted for shoplifting Shoplifting, yeah like every single show there's been a couple that nobody's been doing it but usually yeah uh, and that's got a question from Cult of False Reality. Just be cool, man. Yeah, just be cool. Just be cool like just Cult of cool. False Reality. Just He's be cool. cool. Just be cool. What's going on, Steven Larson and all the friendos out there? Cult of False Realities back with another Matt Chat question. I am currently taking a break from 2K20 to do this question. And my question is about tag teams, trios, and factions. Now, what we currently have is great. But I feel like we could use more, especially tag teams and maybe some trios too. So there's going to be two parts. Part one, out of the tag teams, trios, and factions we have now, which ones do you think should break up? And part two is out of those people who you think should break up, who should be who should be new makeshift tag teams, trios, and factions? For example, 
I would like to see Cedric Alexander and Biggie as a tag team. Alistair Black, Damian Priest, and old school Baron Corbin as a trio. But see what you guys can come up with. Too sweet. Hearty handshake. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Cult of False Realities. Thank you, friendo. Forgotten Son should break up. No, what are they going to do? What, what the heck are they going to do? Buddy Murphy, no, but uh, Drake, Blake. Wesley Blake. Blake, man, yeah. Get him back in the tag team with Buddy Murphy. No, main roster. No. They were a good tag team. Buddy Murphy's good. I had an idea for someone to join with Jackson Riker, and then I forgot about it. Oh, someone else on NXT. That would have been good. Ooh, what if Jackson Riker and Damian Priest form a team? The Vampire and the Terminator. <laughs> it's good stuff. No, that's what I want. I want the OC as it exists now to disband. No! Let what? me finish. Finn comes back from his hiatus. He joins up. They get back together. Come with a new name because the OC is not very good. That's what I want. Oh, AJ's in? AJ's in, Oh, yes. okay. okay. I thought in. you meant they're just, oh, yeah, they're all in but yeah. with a better name. Yeah. They break okay, up, yeah. though. Then Finn's like, no, we gotta get the band back together. Yeah. Then they get back together with a cooler name. And just than the stop OC. calling. Just, just leave the club alone. Just yeah, come stop with calling. Name. Stop saying club. You don't have to say club anymore. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I've got a Lucha House Party should break up also. But then all the other Luchador guys, including Umberto, uh, Garza, Sincara, Ray, they form. But Andrade. Andrade. The Lucha World Order, the LWO. All right. I like it. That's a All good right. one. All right. Oh, gosh. Now we got a question from Wayne Maker. Full kit. This is my favorite. Hello, Stephen Larson. It is full kit Wayne Maker here. Progress hat, shirt, pink shorts. And I'm here with a Matt Chat question. The Matt Chat question is related to the disbanding of Fun Illuminati in Fun Wrestling as it's coming to a close. Now, I would like to know what irritating feature of each other would cause a disbanding of going in raw. I want you to both cut a promo on each other using the most irritating thing that pees you off about your respective partner. Interesting. Too sweet, healthy handshake, shoulder knee. Take care, guys. Thank you, Wayne Maker. This dude sent me a message. He was pissed that I lost uh, in that fun Luminati match. I was too. I legitimately wanted to get them over. He's really invested. It's that new goddamn setup we have in there. That's what it is, man. It sucks. Don't worry. We only got like a month left of gaming, and then we're not going to do it again. No, we'll do some (laughs) gaming stuff. Anyways. All right. So what's the one thing in your mind that would cause us to... I don't know. I mean, I have an answer. Well, yeah, but really, like that. That's just go ahead. You can tell him. I don't care. So the last two weeks, Steve post launch has had some serious gastrointestinal issues and leads to some gas. Yes, gas farts. And uh, there's that, and that unto itself isn't that bad. Yeah. Here's the kicker. Okay. So you've taken to uh, absconding with my office chair. Oh, it's so comfy. I know which one I'm going to get to. I got. I should get that soon. I can get yeah, that. You said soon. like a week and a half ago. You said you get, get that. it today. So you have gone with my office chair, sitting in your cubicle right now. Usually, I have it back in our back room, my streaming area, so I can sit and we watch. And did you see what I did? Yes, today? that was nice. But what'll happen yeah. is when you have your post lunch gas, it's not like you trade out chairs so you don't get your beef in my chair. You might stand up and fart a foot away from it. But as you said today, when it was a little odiferous. Because you, you did it, sat down within 10 seconds, and you, what did you say to me? Oh, that might burn into your chair. I just said that. I don't want your, your stink, your butt stink, your beef to get into my chair. You're not going to break this money tree up over my farting. Get out of here. I don't know, man. You got pretty upset when I happened to fart next to you while you were making a burger. It was literally 15 years ago. Yeah, and you that still bring it up. a very long time ago. You still bring it up. It was really weird. No, because you did kind of the same thing just like a year ago. I we went to Double or Nothing or wherever it was. That was early in the morning when I had just woken up. That was real. That was very inconsiderate. It just kind of slipped out. Yeah, no, very I apologize for it. Anyways, uh, I honestly don't know. Like, I'm not even serious about this. I had to answer Wayne's question. Come on. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm, I was trying to think of something. I was trying to think of, of anything. I, I, I like legitimately don't know. You can't think of anything fun and lighthearted like farting in a chair? 
I mean, you burp a lot, and that gets annoying. Because, like, when you burp, it's it's like you go, excuse me. And I'm like, why are you blowing Well, there's gas everywhere? in my mouth. Where is it supposed to go? <laughs> I don't say anything because I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> so, so there's that. I try to look I the other know. way. I don't know. I don't. But, no, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm trying to come up with something. That even isn't like, like what could you do? But we've been a team for like 10 years. What if years. I develop narcolepsy? If I just start falling asleep randomly during the middle of the show? I mean, if, I don't know. Some days I feel like that could happen, Steve. Yeah. No, but even that. So isn't like, if I see that there is something that might, a change we can make that could improve your lot. Like, that's why I moved the podcast up and out. We're going to have to. Because you come in tired. We're going to have to do short form programming all the time if I start suffering from narcolepsy. <laughs> that'd be weird. I don't know. I'd keep it long for. I just. It'd be cool if you just like zoned. You I would just, just face if, my as long as it was like sort of the violent narcolepsy, where you just dunk. Then it'd be hilarious. Bleeding everywhere. <laughs> right. That'd be great. Um. So yeah, I don't know. If you became, I don't know. I don't know. Winning solves everything. Like if our money started going down the tubes. I could see maybe you'd start like freaking out and you'd get all willy nilly. Cause I've seen you when you've been stressed about like circumstances. Yeah. And you're not fun to be around. And that could translate to the content, maybe. Uh, so that's possibly. Uh, to be fair, I'm not really that fun to be around, period. Uh, no, you can be. You can be. Sometimes you're a pill, but you can be pretty fun to be oh, around. I am a pill. Uh, I got some text questions here. First from Joshua Martinez. He asked, since Batista is going to be in Gears 5 after this Sunday, what are some other non-wrestling video games slash wrestling crossovers? All right. Oh, that first one's really good. Aerostar in Trials HD. Hold on. There huh. is a, that's good. Is there any gamer you're following a lot? I'm trying to think. There's got to be a game that just involves falling. Well, like in GTA, they have parachute challenges where you have to fall out of the plane and like... Fall the most amount of feet before you hit the parachute gotcha. and then land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Aerostar's good. Uh, and then I've just got all the AAA stars in Twisted Metal because mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was similar. There's a lot of clowns. Uh, and then my favorite one is Dexter Loomis That's in good. a Manhunt reboot. That's good. I got to play Manhunt again. Uh, I got some obvious ones. Uh, Xavier Woods, he's a huge fan of the Street Fighter games. I think fighting games in general. Uh, remember, he and the rest of the New Day took on the Elite at East 3 with the Street Fighter. I love how the other two New Day guys, like Kofi and Big E, and then the Young Bucks, just were, I'm not going to say bored, but they were they did not Nowhere get it. Nowhere near as invested as no, Xavier Woods invested and Kenny exactly, Omega were. Yeah. Uh, Bray Wyatt in a survival horror game. That's good. Uh, Samoa Joe as the lead, or as, lead, as at least a lead character in GTA 6. I, that's a really good answer. And finally, Hangman Adam Page... As a star, some Red Dead Redemption 2 DLC. The thing, the problem with that one is that all the characters in actual Red Dead Redemption are far more charismatic than Hangman Page. But he'll do a shooting star press off a, <laughs> That's a, good point. a barn or something, and That's man, that'll point. be impressive. I was, I'm joking. I love Hangman Page. Uh, next, Hudley Doodly Champ says, this week's questions from uh, going in raw pizza expert Arma. You're forced into an escape room with Matt Taven, Adam Mayhem, Kona Reeves, Sexy Star and Alicia Fox. Sexy Star. All must be alive and conscious by the end of it. How do you survive? Number one, I didn't know that deaths and fatalities were a thing in, in escape rooms. Is this like a saw type escape room? I mean, I guess. I mean, the only person here I can speak to is Adam Mayhem. I know Adam Mayhem's a pretty sharp tack. He's a br- he's a pretty bright dude. He is. Really? Yeah. Are we talking about the same guy? Yeah. Adam Mayhem. Yeah. Adam Mayhem. Sure. Adam Mayhem? Yeah. I mean, I'm smart and he fooled me out of a bunch of money. Oh, oh I forgot we were in kayfabe. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, He's a genius then. Well, not that smart. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess if we're talking about like an escape room, solving puzzles, you got an hour to get out of it. Like, I feel like I can work with Adam Mayhem. I don't, I'm not worried about him. I don't understand where the all must be alive and conscious by the end of it, though. What does that mean? I don't know either. I'm going to take this to be a jigsaw-esque saw room mm-hmm. uh, where... Wait, Someone's got to saw off a, a foot to get out of there. Yeah, so we would all just gang up on Matt Taven and make him saw off a foot because right. he's annoying and he doesn't need it anyway. He's a crap wrestler. All right. <laughs> and it wouldn't take much convincing because he's probably not very smart. Oh, wow. All right, fair enough. Uh, Lu- Luisa Reza. 
Power rank the top three best theme songs in AEW. The top three worst or least fitting. I don't know the vast majority of them. Yeah, I mean, the two in terms of best, the only two I can really remember, number one, Far and Away is best friend for me. And yes, part of that is the video package, the the Titan Tron short. The song itself is catchy and it's pretty good. Yeah, the song is actually pretty good. It's a good song. Uh, In terms of pure theme... Hangman Page has the best theme in all of All Elite. Hangman's theme is it's really great. Good. It's so good. It's it really, really good. Is. Uh, I don't like Kenny's new theme. I don't even know it. That's the problem. Yeah, I know. Because this one in New Japan was pretty... I know I've heard it. Iconic. And I don't remember it. And it bums yeah. me out. Does New Japan own that, I guess? Or is it, oh, one yeah. of a, is it a Kenny thing where, oh, it's a new chapter in my life? Oh, it might be. I'm pretty sure New Japan probably owns it. Because didn't did Hangman use his theme in New Japan? I feel like it, but maybe if it's a thing that he commissioned and paid for. That could be versus something that New Japan Hangman paid. Um, Cody's theme is probably the best one. Like in terms of it fits him the best. I know he commissioned it. It sound Cody's theme sounds like a WWE theme because didn't the same people who did that theme do his WWE theme? Oh, maybe I don't. Know. I want to say that's true. Um, so I'm going to say Cody and then Jericho, he did his own theme. Yeah. It's it's Judas, isn't it? Judas. Yeah. It's just one of his songs. It's just one of his songs, but we don't really like Fozzie and his finisher is a Judas effect. Yeah. And it's called, the song is called Judas. Judas. Yes. It fits. It's him. Yeah. He's singing it. Yeah, I know. I think I'm used to it by this time. I'm not a fan of Fozzie, but we're going to be in town here soon, but I'm not a fan of most wrestling. Like if I'll put it this way, you like Mark Andrews band now. Oh, I love Junior. They're great. Top three band for me now. If the guys who did the theme song to okay, let's say that it wasn't CFO Dollar Sign. All right, Jim Johnston. No, 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 no. Okay, let's say that. Uh, so, for example, for example, Alistair Black's theme song. I really dig that theme. Yeah. Song, right. If. I guess it was CFO dollar sign plus uh, the dude who was singing it. The dude who's singing it. If they, as a band, crafted an album, mm-hmm. I would have no interest in that. I like that one theme song. I have an association of it with Alistair Black. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the song. That goes for a lot of wrestling themes. Um, if Jim Johnston had an album of like just non wrestling stuff. Might I check it out to give him a chance and the benefit of the doubt? Possibly. Yeah. Would I really be into it? Probably not. So wrestling themes are just different. Cody's works. Would I get an entire album of that type of stuff? No. But it works good for him because mm-hmm. it's a wrestling mm-hmm. theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my point. At least his song isn't just a 30-second loop yeah. played ad nauseum like a lot of WWE themes are these days. Never been a fan of any of the Young Bucks stuff. Their new one's all right, even though it's just a NWO ripoff. Is that what it is? It's got yeah. NWO elements to it? Yeah, that boom, 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 boom. Oh, I boom, guess so. Boom, boom. See, first is Young Bucks, second is NWO. Yeah, well, I got the second one. Okay. Well, it's kind of NWO slash Voodoo Child mm-hmm. the amalgam. Yeah. They always just come off. And I, it's kind of their thing to be cheesy. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, being the elite's cheesy. Yeah. It's just kind of, I'm not, I'm not a big corny, cheesy guy. Well, I am, but I don't like that kind of humor. There you go. Anyways. Anyways. That's it for Matt Chat. Yep. If you want your question here on Matt Chat, by all means, go to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Steve Ann Larson. $20 gets you there. Thanks for watching. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye.